0: Hello everybody this is Pastor Iris and we're really pleased to be back on the air with you and again we're out and about, it's out and about in Ireland and I know Hugh is there because my virtual radio station recording machine called Zoom has got him on the screen so hi Hugh, hi
1: (laughs) Hugh. Hello Iris, how are you doing? Nice to see you again.
0: Yeah you too. Um, Well, I suppose we're sort of cracking down, getting things done for Christmas, it's a shame that we're on lockdown. How is it in Ireland?
1: Well, uh, I think like the four countries in the United Kingdom, Northern Ireland is a little bit unique in as much as it's attached to the southern part of Ireland, attached to England, Scotland and Wales and uh, the lockdown, yeah, they have a lockdown and they're trying to um, open Christmas up a little bit those few days to allow people to come together I know there's a lot of, bit of controversy and talk going on and, and uh, those in the medical and scientific uh, profession are actually mo- more concerned about things than the people seem to be but yeah we're in, in, in a, going into a lockdown round about Christmas time so but yeah. people will try their best to try and have what time they can with their family and friends. Yeah,
0: well, we, we're in lockdown. We're in tier four over here. And um, we're already pretty... in lockdown for, for the last couple of days. Um, and ca- it's Christmas being been cancelled in the UK virtually. I think the trains were absolutely overloaded beyond capacity. Talk about, you know, uh, keeping everything under control. It must have been standing room only. I heard tell that the that the officials had said anybody that wasn't able to travel um, would would be compensated for for having got their ticket because the the government have closed down the travel. Yeah. And they've also closed down the yeah. airport as well.
1: But you know, Iris, just not to deviate too long, and too far, but once this, the news broke about that virus coming and working in China and how serious it was, all the lockdown should have taken place then. If it had a lockdown tight then, then they could have controlled better who's coming in, who's going out, and more important, who's coming in before they brought the virus in with them. But they just left the whole thing wide open. So now, after a year, they're starting to have to try and actually do that, but it's difficult. Very difficult.
0: Well, we've got—we're not far from Dover, where we live, and that's the port that brings all the transporters in from Europe and across the world. Really, you know, the big juggernauts, and they're all parked up at Manston, at, near the airport there, and along the roads. And, and the drivers have got to stay in their cars for their for their cabs for three weeks. My word. And. Three weeks what it will be because it's a three-week close down after after christmas anybody that's affected that have already gone and moved and are with their families is one thing but nobody else is now allowed to to do that people are having to cancel their family christmases in fact it's been done a couple of couple of days so now all the all the transport lorries are can't go abroad back to their own countries or they can't get stuff out that's supposed to go to Europe, etc. So yeah, we've got more on, uh, what do they call it? Well, it's called something, rather like lockdown, but it's they just go into wherever they can park along the roads, in the lay-bys, but there is one big place at Manston Airport because it's no longer in use and they all park on, you know, there. So yeah, it's pretty hairy.
1: It's amazing what a little virus can achieve and do in the world. It shakes up the whole world. Yeah. You know, it shows men how fallible they are and how weak they are, really.
0: That's right. That's right. And that's why we've really got to look at the Word of God, isn't it? To see exactly what, exactly. what God has already said about all of this, let alone what is yet to come.
1: In fact, so... you know, in my studies, I've been reading up about Israel, obviously through the Old Testament scriptures, the Tanakh, Jewish scriptures. And I see that God's relationship with Israel, whenever they turned their back on him, whenever they dis- disobeyed him, whenever they rejected him and gave themselves to all sorts of sin and iniquity and idolatry, that the punishments and the chastisements that God let loose on them was the disruption of the seasonal weather
0: mm.
1: uh, and then there was famine a shortage of food and then there was always I noticed that there was the word pestilence
0: yes pestilence,
1: yeah. which is a disease like viruses struck them down and of course there was the sword wars all those things I mean it would be an awful lot easier if this world was just waking up and understand that there's only one God in charge of everything, and we all he asks for is a relationship and some respect and honor. And he he can he can take all the troubles away. But they they say we don't want you, so he says, "Well, you don't want me. Well, you have to be left to yourself." But there's an avenging, destroying, disobedient, disrespectful, dishonoring principality and power on the earth and he will not show you any mercy yeah,
0: that's very true that's very true i mean what is ezekiel saying about that i understand we're going to backtrack a bit aren't we to um chapter 37 verse 15 and again we
1: are we've gone through last session um which has been recorded as you have said um we went through the valley of dry bones that god showed ezekiel and he showed him him bringing them back again to life. My nation, the nation of Israel has gone through a tremendous generations after generations of, of destruction. Um, God closed down the temple through the Roman armies and uh, closed the city down and closed the land down. And the desolation was great. It's never been a cutoff like that ever before on any nation. But it's a nation that God tolerated and tried his best with. But at the end of the day, they just would not follow in, in with the Lord. So they even uh, killed God's son at Calvary. And uh, there God tore up the agreement that he had made with them. And the desolation and the destruction of Israel took place. And so they were cast out of the Holy Land and amongst the Gentiles and for generations up until 1948, that land was desolate. So God showed Ezekiel the Valley of Dry Bones. This was something that he wouldn't understand, but God was showing him a picture that we can look back on and see today. Amazing how this has been fulfilled in our day and generation. This is 2020. That the survivors, the remnant, the few that God promised that he would keep alive to fulfill his purpose, would come back and place them in the land. And that's exactly what has happened. Now, that's where we are today. And we're moving into verse 15 of Ezekiel. You just have to give me the green light and away we go. That's
0: right. That's right. I mean, you know, at the end of the day, Nahum, I think it was chapter 1, verse 7, said that The Lord is is, is a good stronghold in the day of trouble, and he knows them that trust in him. Yes. And, you know, he won't see his seed begging bread. No. That's the main thing. But um, take us through this, Hugh, because it's such an interesting... The whole book is interesting, but... uh,
1: but This particular part gives us an insight into something Mm. which shall affect the interpretation afterwards. Uh, which is important that we get the right, the right side of the truth that God is saying now, Israel, because of their disobedience and sin, and particularly, I have to say, it was under King Solomon, the king that was gifted and given so much by God, and given all the riches, and given the wisdom that he wanted, that king at the end latter years of his life embraced so many women and princesses. And in particular, the first one was from Egypt and they brought with them all their idolatry and idols. And he was keeping the temple going, but he embraced all those idols, he even allowed them to be brought and put into Jerusalem. And even into the temple, the house of God, and God says, that's enough now. I'm taking the dominion and the control away from Israel now. And I'll deal with them in the land still for a while, but I'm taking it away. So the reason why I'm saying that is this. When we move into this particular passage of scripture, we're dealing with a situation that has already transpired. That is the breakup of the nation of Israel. It was the judgment of God because of Solomon's sin and wickedness that God broke up Israel into the portions of the top nation was called Israel. The second nation was called Judah. Judah was the southern part of Israel and um, Israel, the name of Israel was the northern part. Um, So that's how it was broken up into two Two, two, two companies, two nations. And uh, Judah, of course, obviously is where Jerusalem was existing. But God had broken up that one nation of 12 nations, or 12 companies, uh, families, and one priesthood. He had broken it up into two different groups of people. The front, the, the northern one was Israel, called Israel, the southern one was called Judah. And that's what the situation is now that's why I say that because let's just read what the scripture says here, because God comes back again now to Ezekiel. Ezekiel was a very blessed person, prophet, and it's wonderful, but you know it's okay people want to be a prophet or want to be a servant of God to this extent, but it also brings with it a lot of responsibility and sometimes a lot of pain and rejection. But verse 15 says, again, the word of the Lord came to me. That's Ezekiel saying, as for you, son of man. And how do you feel, brothers and sisters, as you listen to this? How do you feel when God puts you on the line, puts you on the spot and starts to speak to you personally about something very clearly, very definitely? Whoa, well, you better watch yourself as for you, son of man take a stick that's a piece of wood for yourself and write on it obviously a flat piece of stick fixed up that you can write on for judah and for the children of israel his companions then take another stick and write on it for joseph the stick of ephraim and for all the house of israel his companions so god is saying these two sticks one represents the southern kingdom one represents the northern part of Israel. They've been broken and broken apart. And we know that that's what happened. And God was what had judged them because of their sin. Then join them one to another for yourself into one stick. So Ezekiel had to take these two sticks representing the broken house of Israel and he had to bring them together physically as one and they will become one in your hand. So what God is showing Ezekiel is the fact that these two nations will become one again, one nation under God and under his hand. Verse 18, and when the children of your people speak to you, so people are watching Ezekiel, and brother and sister, those especially serving God in the ministry, in the church, in the world wherever you are, Just know this, that the world is watching you. People are watching you. And you're making a decision for them as regards their relationship with God. When you not show us, so they're saying that these people around Ezekiel, asking them a question. Will you not show us what you mean by these? If someone comes to you today and asks you a question about the scriptures, Would you be able to answer them? And that's the question. Say to them, God says, this is what I want you to say to them, Ezekiel. Whenever they ask you, what are you doing? What's these two sticks about being joined together as one? Say to them, you see, God has the answer to every situation, every dilemma, every situation that's existing. God has the answer. And let me say that God knows what's going on. In this world today, every generation that has passed, God has watched every generation and he's watching this one. But he says to his equals, say this, say to them, thus says the Lord God, when God speaks, thus says the Lord God, believe me, it's going to happen. Surely I will take the stick of Joseph, which is in the hand of Ephraim and the tribes of Israel, his companions. And I will join them with it, with the stick of Judah, and make them one stick, and they will be one in my hand. That's just what I said earlier there, that God says, and the sticks on which you write will be in your hand before their eyes. God says, that which has been broken, that which has been shattered, he personally has taken upon himself to bring together the outcasts and the nation of Israel. Now we know that Israel went through the fire, the flood and the flame and were decimated and almost totally destroyed. But God has kept his hand upon them through the nations. What's the point? What's the purpose you say? Why has God kept these people alive today? Why did he not just annihilate them like happened to the nations that were around him? They were annihilated and disappeared off the earth with a few other, others that were dead. But generally speaking, those nations have gone. Why has God preserved this remnant and these people, the nation? And the, why is God saying he's going to bring them back together again and make them one community, one people under God's hand? Verse 21 says, let's get an insight to what God's planning. Then say to them, thus says the Lord God, as he said before, thus says the Lord, he said it again, surely I will take the children of Israel from among the nations. You see, that's where the Jewish people were scattered among all the nations. Those Jewish people, they kept up their traditions. They kept up their synagogues. They had their prayers. But. Up until the 1800s, they really were downtrodden, downtrodden. In the 1800s, the spirit of Zionism began to rise up in their heart again. God began to prepare them for 1948 when he would bring their remnant over to the land of Israel once again. So there's a process that takes place. But I want to just say in passing here that God says in the very last moment, of days of time. He's going to speed up the process and things are going to happen very suddenly and very quickly when he closes down the seeds that we're living in. But here he's speaking about taking, I will take the children of Israel from among the nations, wherever they have gone, and will gather them from every side and bring them into their own land. You see, the land of Israel, God sees it as his land. He sees that it's a land that he brought a people that he had created from from Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. And his land, he has given them residence and promised them that they would look after that land for him. So he's going to bring them back into their own land. And we know, as we've said before, that's exactly happened in our lifetime. I have lived to see, I didn't see it. it was only two years old when they were initially brought back, but I've lived to see them coming back into their land. I've lived to see Israel being planted in their own land. I've lived to see Jerusalem coming back again as one city. And I've lived to see to what we are today, what's, what's unfolding. And I can see that Israel has is been strengthened by the hand of God. And I say, we'll be tied any nation or nations who want to work against what God is doing. They will not survive and they will not win. That's the word of the Lord. And I will make them one nation. That's God speaking in verse 22. And I will make them one nation in the land. Now, God has done that. Can we say amen? Praise the Lord. There's something. There's a miracle right in front of our own eyes. And I will make them one nation in the land on the mountains of israel now this next this next phase this next statement we need to be very careful we understand what god's saying and one king one king shall be king over them all god says as he is bringing them back as one nation settling them down He has reserved the king for them, one king over them all. Now, I just wonder, who would that king be? Have you any any idea, uh, Aris, who that king might be?
0: Um, Yeah, I think so.
1: (laughs) Speak (laughs) it out. Has he got a name?
0: (laughs) Jesus?
1: Yes, Jesus. Yeshua is the king of all kings and the Lord of all lords that's the son of God that God made a covenant with an everlasting covenant he says when he brought him into the world he sent Gabriel to tell them this is the son of God and he commissioned him and he sent him to Israel to confirm what he had done with Israel but they rejected him the same one that died on Calvary is the one that's now sitting on the throne of God in heaven And he is destined, his destiny, Yeshua's destiny is to sit on a throne in Jerusalem today on this world. And the next building that's going to be built, I don't know who's going to build it, but he'll oversee the building of his own administrative palace in Israel and in Jerusalem. That's something to look forward to. But God has reserved this person and this king To reign and to rule over and from Jerusalem over the nation of Israel and over the nations of the world. God says in another scripture, I think it was in Isaiah, that Israel is too small just as an inheritance for his son Yeshua. But he's going to give him every inch of land on the planet Earth and every kingdom of the world will be subject to the rule and the reign of this king. The one who came in humility, the one who came as a servant, the one who was even willing to lay down his life because the people and the, and the nations were so wicked that they just wanted to kill him and to get rid of him is the same one that God has raised from the dead and will send back to this world. And believe me, I'm just saying that I think it's very close at hand when this king will come back to reign they that's a powerful statement isn't it that's yeah. worth underlining in your bible that's they okay. shall no longer be two nations nor shall they ever be divided into two kingdoms again there's a promise of god people should take very notice of especially those people who 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 confess or declare that they know the prophetic word of god they should understand that god has a very positive heart an attitude towards this restored kingdom. God's looking after this kingdom. God's looking after these people. Why? Because he's going to send his son. The same son that has saved the Gentiles is the same son that's going to send the, save these Jews. They shall not defile themselves anymore with their idols. God says, when this king is here, all idolatry, on anything that's not of God shall be done away with, nor with their detestable things, nor with any of their transgressions. God has put the condemnation away at Calvary, but God is going to rid the world of idolatry when Jesus comes back. Let me say here and now, when Jesus returns, there will be no idols to any other gods or to any other thing to be worshiped, but all worship shall be focused at Jerusalem unto the king of kings and the Lord of lords. Jesus is the representative of God Almighty, the Father and the Holy Spirit. And he is a representative of God Almighty sitting on a physical throne in Jerusalem. But I will deliver them from all their dwelling places in which they have sinned. God says, I'm going to take them and deliver them. See, deliverance is upon Deliverance is earmarked upon Israel just as salvation and deliverance was earmarked for the Gentiles. So now it's coming around for the Jewish nation and the Jewish people to understand about salvation. I say, as far as I know, more and more Jewish people today today, are coming to have faith in Yeshua and confessing that Jesus is the lord that jesus is the christ that's a process that god is bringing to pass and nobody's going to stop that and will cleanse them you see there's the energy of god god's working for towards salvation of the jewish people he's he's also working amongst the gentiles still the door of salvation hasn't closed yet but it will close completely when the last trumpet sounds then they shall be my people. You see, God sees a relationship with people, whether they be Gentiles or whether they be Jews. God has a relationship with his people. And just like these Jews that that were written off in a sense, that were almost destroyed. They've been saved and brought back as a burning ember, a burning, a burning uh, fire out of the fire. God says they shall be my people. So God's including them back. And Paul in Romans takes this up. That if Israel has fallen. Like they fell. That the Gentiles received the blessing. What glory and what blessing is there going to be. When they are restored back again. That's going to be a real time of blessing. And that's exactly what's going to happen. That's when Yeshua comes. And they are I would not be surprised, I'm not making a prophetic statement here, but I would not be surprised if there is a multitude of people getting saved in Israel, even the majority of Israel Jews now living in Israel will confess and profess that they know Yeshua. Majority, over 50%, who knows, I don't know how much when they all are collectively together, f- souped up and zealous and on fire for God, and they're saying, Whoa, blessed is he that cometh in the name of the Lord. We can reckon that things are going to be very close to that time. Then they shall be my people and I will be their God. You see, that's the destiny that God has for the Jewish people and also for the Gentile people that have put their trust their faith in god now verse 24 israel was well aware of who david was david was a king david was the second king saul was the first king david was the second king he had a great prophetic and kingly reign and god made a promise to him that on his throne one of his descendants would sit and this is the same this is the one Who's going to sit, not David himself, but the, the one that followed through, one of his descendants, the Lord Jesus. You get his um, his tree of life in the Gospels, his descendants. David, my servant, shall be king over them. This is not King David. He's dead and gone to heaven. He's with all the saints in glory. And all the saints shall be kings and priests together together with the lord jesus christ but this is the this is the main david this is the main king this is the king of kings and the lord of lords you call him yeshua jesus and that's the one that god has sanctified and set apart to be glorified in the eyes of every person on the face of this planet david my servant are you still with me Eris?
0: i am yes
1: are you feeling good
0: I am. I'm just following the word in, the, in my Bible with you. <laughs> it's fair. exactly well, the same as you're telling everybody.
1: <laughs> if, you're, if you're enjoying it, other people out there must be enjoying it too. <laughs> David, my servant, shall be keen over them, and they shall all have one shepherd. Lovely. That's the one shepherd that God has ordained and appointed, that we shall all come under Jesus says, other sheep, he was standing amongst the Jews as a Jew. And he says, other sheep I have, which are not of this fold, them also I must bring. In the book of Revelation, John seen 144,000. That is a completeness of a completeness of the Jewish nation from A to Z, from the first to the very last one. That was the picture. But beside them also, he's seen an innumerable company of people and that was the Gentiles. And Jesus says, There they are. They've suffered, they've suffered uh, uh, opposition, persecution, tribulation, and they've come together. This great company of people, Jew and Gentile together, they shall all be one, said Jesus. Other sheep I have, which are not of this Jewish fold, them also I must bring. And God has brought together a great company of Jewish believers, and more still come and Gentile believers, and I'm sure there's more still come, they shall also walk in my judgments and observe my statutes and do them. These people, these people delight in doing the will of God. These people delight in doing what's right. These people want to do what's right. It's in them. God has put it into them. God has changed their lives. God has brought them to the place that they're not getting the hump up are getting their back up, but they're actually flowing with God, and these people are doing God's judgments, observing the statutes and do them. There's a great day coming, a great day coming, when God will gather together every saint of God and all the holy angels under the headship and under the authority of the Lord Jesus Christ. What a day that will be what a day that will be then they shall dwell in the land that i've given to jacob my servant god says i'm going to give him the king and they're going to enjoy that oversight and that kingship and they will dwell in the land that he has given jacob god promised jacob he says jacob this land i've given to you and your descendants and here's going to happen under jesus they're back again All the Jews will be called back from throughout the earth, back to the holy land, back to the promised land. I have given to Jacob, my servant, where your fathers dwelt. Abraham walked it. Isaac walked it. Jacob walked it. And then they went to Egypt. And that's where they developed and grew as a nation in Goshen. But they embraced the idolatry. They didn't understand about the God of their fathers, but they embraced the idolatry of Egypt. And then God came in and delivered them. And you know the whole story after that. And they shall dwell there, they their children and their children's children forever. You see, there's a good ending here. God says when Yeshua, Jesus comes under his reign, that will continue. His reign will continue forever. Now we know that the world Will come to an end and pass away. We know that there's going to be a great judgment of everybody outside of the kingdom will be judged. But we know that the kingdom of God and the people of God will reign with God forever because God's going to make new heavens and a new earth. Now he says, and my servant, that will never end. God's rule and reign with his people will never end. Once God sends Jesus to this earth and there's a joining together of all the redeemed of all nations together and the holy angels, that will never end. That will just move into another phase Mm -hmm. of a new heaven and a new earth when this heaven and this earth that we know shall be no more and have passed away. God has got something better in front of his people. And that's one. That's a wonderful promise. That's a great hope. And my servant David. Shall be their prince forever. That's something that God knows and He wants us to know. He wants us to be reassured. He wants us to be assured that God has a savior. He has a son, and His name is Yeshua, David's greater son, King David, the Lord Jesus. Wonderful, be their prince forever. Listen to verse 26 now. We're closing up now. I'm sure time's nearly on out. Verse 26. Moreover, when God says moreover, he means moreover. He's got more to tell us. Hallelujah. God's a God, of an abundant blessing. He just never runs out of blessing. He just wants to give us more and more and more. Moreover, I will make a covenant of peace with them. not that amazing words? Yeah. A covenant of peace. You see, they had a pact. They had a covenant to dwell with God. He would dwell with them. They would dwell with them. They blew it. They broke it up. It was destroyed, finished. But here, God speaking of another covenant, a covenant of shalom with them. God has made this covenant with his son, the Lord Jesus. Jesus did no sin, knew no sin, offered himself without sin. God could enter in. I was thinking this morning as I was studying and reading on God, You know, who can we trust in this world? Human flesh, human nature. We can't trust human nature. Who could God trust? God can't trust any of us. But there's one man he finally could trust, and that was his son, his son clothed in human flesh, Emmanuel, Emmanuel. And God made a covenant, an everlasting covenant, with his son which can never be broken that's our security you see my security isn't some other man in this world who's making promises to me about this that and the other thing no my security is that i've put my trust and my faith in god's covenant with his son the lord jesus that's a covenant of peace with him and it shall be an everlasting covenant with him you see god has created and made an everlasting covenant and sealed it in the precious holy blood of his son. I remember as a young man, after experiencing a mighty visitation of God's spirit, I was praying on one occasion, and I was on my knees, and uh, had my hands lifted up, and I felt these hands coming around my wrists. They weren't physical hands, they were spiritual, and they were trying to pull my hands down. And the words of an old Deaconess came into my mind and she said, son, if you're ever in trouble, if you ever in trouble, plead the precious blood of Jesus. That's an old godly woman told me, a godly sister in the Lord. And I remember that. And when I had these hands coming, trying to pull my hands down, I was worshiping praising God. I just changed from praying to pleading the precious blood. As soon as I began to mention the blood, I felt those hands losing their grip and walking away and leaving me alone. You see, I understand and know today the power and the merit and the wealth that's in the precious blood of the Lord Jesus. There is no power like the precious blood of Jesus to wash away all our sins and to keep us safe. The precious blood of Jesus should and must be respected and honored because it's the blood of God's dear son, and it's speaking today. It's still speaking before God in heaven. I am sure somehow God gathered together all that precious blood of Jesus that he shed from this earth and brought it and has it in a container, a special container in heaven. And it's speaking today to God. It's speaking of love, speaking of mercy, speaking of grace, speaking of forgiveness, Speaking of sacrifice, speaking everything that's in Jesus, what he did for us. I will establish them and multiply them. This is what God's saying. I will establish them and multiply them. It's in God's heart and God's mind to establish the nation of Israel. Why? Twice we have read it in chapter 36. God says, I'm not doing this for your sakes, O Israel, but for my own name's sake. Because, you see, God's looking for the establishment of His Son as the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords, the Prince of all Princes, God is looking to set Jesus up, that He may be glorified, that He may be honored after all He has done and what He has won through for us. God's going to see that they will be established because He wants to establish Jesus in Jerusalem. Jerusalem, let me say this: Jerusalem and Israel, right today as we sit here and talk. Is being prepared by God for one purpose only. And that's to place his son on the throne in Jerusalem. And nothing is going to change that. And there's nothing going to stop it. I will establish them and multiply them. And I will set my sanctuary in their midst forevermore. God will have a sanctuary. It's not a sacrificing temple like the Old Testament. Because one great sacrifice has been accomplished for all. And that's the Lord Jesus Christ. There's no sacrifices can measure up of animals, bulls or goats or anything can measure up. Read the book of Hebrews. That's a great revelation about the Lord Jesus and his excellency far above everything and anything. My tabernacle also will be with him. God will have a house in Jerusalem. God will have a tabernacle in Jerusalem. God will have a place where Jesus will sit and administrate and God will gather together his people and his angels around him. Indeed, I will be their God and they shall be my people. The nations also will know that I, the Lord, sanctify Israel when my sanctuary is in their midst forevermore. So the nations today can question. They can reject. They can say whatever they want. The United Nations can gather together. All the nations of the earth can gather together. They can say whatever they want. But when Jesus returns, the story changes dramatically. The story changes dramatically. There's nobody else going to be having council meetings in the United Nations or council meetings in Russia or China or any part of the world. The council meeting will be in Jerusalem and it will be in the throne of God and it will be with the Lord Jesus Christ. He will He will decide for all the nations yep. as to what they shall do. Isn't that wonderful? Absolutely. That's, That's a good. great high to, 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 to be on. And there it says, what this is talking about, if we get into chapter 38, this is talking about the implementation of the rule of the lord jesus in jerusalem but obviously it amazes me that when god puts the devil away and all the demons when god lifts the curse from the earth when god's blessing the nations and especially those that come and honor and respect jesus for a thousand years for a thousand years let's just say it says a thousand years no reason why we shouldn't believe it a thousand years when God comes to the end of that time and the devil's released, then there comes this conspiracy, this counseling again of these people that decide, we don't want this man rule over us, we want our freedom. And that's what we come into in verse 38, Gog and Magog, Gog and Magog. And we'll see and I'll show you in the book of Revelation that that happens at the end of the reign of the Lord Jesus Christ, 1,000 years passes. This is what we've been looking at in 37, the reign of the king of kings and the Lord of lords, 1,000 years passes. And there's scriptures to tell us about that period. But at the end of that reign, then there come this adversity, adversaries against that reign. So that's perhaps what's looking for us in the next session. And then, maybe the Lord let us get back into the acts of the apostles or maybe we'll have another go at a couple of chapters in Romans The the show up uh, to put the cream on this whole story. Amen.
0: Well, you know, that, that's amazing. I, I just, when I opened up my pages this morning, I saw a paper stuck out a little bit further on. And you know we're looking at God's timing, aren't we? And, and uh, I mean, to God, a day, a year is but a day.
1: Yeah.
0: You know, we've we, we so many days, but it really means so many years. But we're really looking at that time now. And the one thing that, that my notes here are quite scribbly. Look, I scribbled them down as I got them. You see that? <laughs> and uh, I thought, why did I write that? So I was just glancing through them. And it's about time management, Hugh. About us managing our time, and God is talking about the fullness of time, and which is which is where we're we're at right now, in the fullness of time, Jesus is going to return. Yeah. But he also talks about in Psalm 89 47 to remember how there is a shortening of time as well.
1: Yes, yes.
0: And also in other words, he says if those times were not shortened, I think in Revelations, who could stand? I yeah. asked him, asked him once, Lord, things were just going so fast, time is just whizzing away. And a few years ago, I said, Lord, have you sped up the world? Because I'm still working at the same pace, but I can't get through my day. I'm getting, I'm working, you know, I'm still carrying it over to the next day, the next yeah. day to the next day. And doesn't matter how hard I can, you keep the world going. Mm-hmm. So he said, "If all, all that I heard in my spirit was immediate. If those times were not shortened, who could stand? Yeah. And I got my answer. Amen. And, and I've never forgotten it. But I, I was looking at Ezekiel 16 verse 8. My time was the time of love. When he's talking to Jerusalem, they had a time of love with God. Yeah. I thought, oh, that is amazing. And in John 7, 6, my time is not yet come, which is what Jesus said, wasn't it, at the wedding, to turn the water into wine. But also in Luke 19, 44, know it's not the time of thy visitation. Yes. And then, because a time then means be prepared. That's right. Uh, that's what I've written down there. And... Um, redeeming the time in, in ephesians 5 16 talks about redeeming the time and my times are in the hands of oh god in thy hands yes. our times are in the times of, our, ha- our times individually are in god's hands yes yes and, and god uses that that time timing and that yep. time management all the way through the bible yeah, and, yeah. and when we were talking just now, that, that just sort of jumped out off the page at me because the thing had just you know slid out the side of the Bible as I turned the pages.
1: Yeah, I was just yeah. um, sharing prior to meeting with you um, on the on the uh, channel that Jesus said when the Gentiles, the Greeks, were coming to Jerusalem to the Feast of Passover, they wanted to meet Him and his reaction and response to Philip um, and his brother Andrew, that his hour had now come. So there was a time for Jesus to actually give his life. And as you say, all those times are in God's hands, and there's a time for everything. And then I was reading also in another passage in Luke um, where he says when the time comes, for him to appear in his perusa, um, life will be going on as normal. Mm. So, this virus and all it's doing must, must pass, and something must happen one way or another to create an environment that people are buying and selling, getting on with business, and people are indeed thinking everything's hunky dory, so to speak. I don't know if you know that word means hunky okay. dory. Yeah. Hunky dory again. <laughs> I'm not sure if it's English or Irish, but it's a word. It's a word that tells you. My
0: my mummy was Irish, so I understand.
1: (laughs) So, um, you know, the environment, the time when Jesus comes, is going to be a time that people have sit back and take a deep breath and relax. Everything seems to be going nicely now, quiet, peace and safety. And then that's when he comes unexpectedly. When they think everything's good. And that's what he says, as it was in the days of Noah, they were eating and drinking, and Sodom, Gomorrah, eating and drinking,
0: marriage,
1: married, getting married, all that was all going on, all that activity was going on when he came back. And when he comes back, all that activity will be going on.
0: That's right. And isn't it strange that with lockdown, it stopped the marriages? (laughs) They weren't allowed to get married. Stopped everything, yeah, but I mean, it stopped the marriages and and, and that you know, there is a time, you know. <laughs> well, there is a time where well, so somebody's lost that time, they have to go back to the old ways of doing things, you know. Talk about time, our time is up again, Hugh, yeah. <laughs> it's just gone, and we're coming up, we're in Christmas week, aren't we?
1: You are indeed,
0: couple of sure, days. Indeed. Thursday, two more days, and it's Christmas Eve. Yep. And you, you just make sure you have a wonderful Christmas. i not not eat too much. You, yeah. Well, why not? It's a time for everything. And <laughs> it's uh, the same to be merry. <laughs> absolutely, absolutely. And I say the same to our listeners as well. You, you have a wonderful Christmas. Make yes. it a good one. Yes. Make it A good one. Keep your eyes on Jesus because He's got all the answers. Amen. And you know, God knows those that trust in Him. Yeah. So try trusting in Him if you don't already. So bye bye, everybody. We will be back Amen. and we will keep the radio going all the way through Christmas as usual. Um, but Hugh and I will be back next year. I, oh, no, I think we have one more to do, don't we, Hugh? Oh, I need to look at yeah, we, we won't let you down, guys. We're coming back. <laughs> We're coming back. You thought you got away with it, but we'll be back.
1: We'll <laughs> <You'll>
0: be back. <laughs> All right, then. Bye-bye, okay. Bye bye, <clears> everybody. <throat>